The How Is This Movie podcast is supported by listeners just like you. Go to patreon.com slash howisthismovie. There you can pledge as little as a dollar a month and help us maintain the goal of keeping this show fully independent and free of advertising. You will also gain instant access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else. Once again, that's patreon.com slash howisthismovie. And now... For our featured presentation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to How Is This Movie? My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you for taking just a little time out of your day to listen. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Is This Movie. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash How Is This Movie. You can always email me with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review on whatever platform you use to listen. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second to last episode of the How Is This Movie podcast, soon to be renamed the Dana Buckler Show. One of the more interesting things that has sort of, uh, what is the word, evolved throughout the history of this podcast is, uh, you know, about three or four years back, I, I told a, a, you know, a unique movie theater experience that happened to me and that got a, you know, a, a really good reception. And I thought, said to myself, well, Hell, I've had a lot more experiences happen to me, and I, I soon began doing standalone episodes in which I entitled the Movie Theater Rant. And I, I often thought to myself that I, I must be the, the only person in this country that is experiencing things like this. Oh, I, it's certainly at the level that I've been experiencing them. But as you'll soon find out with my guest today, I am not alone in this world. I am a journeyman who has found a fellow journeyman. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome back to the show my friend, Adam Risky. Adam, how are things today? Uh, today they're good. Thank you, Dana. I didn't go to the movies, so that's probably why they're good. It's always a good day when you don't go to the movies. Isn't that sad that we have to say that? Yeah. No, I have kind of an unwritten rule around November, pretty much right around Thanksgiving, like this weekend through the end of the year, that... I go. I tend to go less because people who don't usually go to the movies tend to go more, and that's when you get much more of this bad behavior. Absolutely, I'm always reminded of the the time in 2005 when I thought it was a good idea to see King Kong on opening day, which was the the start of the Christmas vacation for most people, and that was the last time that I ever saw a movie that time of the year on opening day. I didn't make it. I, I as as I've told in a previous episode, I made it six minutes into the film and I was out of there. Before we get to that, the last time you were on the show, you and Patrick Bromley, you're both of uh, F This Movie fame, were discussing some different conventions that you've been to. And as you and I were communicating leading up to recording this episode, you had mentioned that you had a uh, another story you'd like to share. And I am eagerly anxious to hear it. So please, the floor is yours. Yeah. Uh, so this weekend, I went to a, a horror convention in uh, suburban Chicago called Days of the Dead. And Days of the Dead is an annual show that happens around here each November, um, tends to be like the second or third weekend of November. Um, it's such a weird time for a genre convention like that, because by late October, I'm just burnt out on horror. And um, I tend to not want to buy a whole lot or anything like that when I go to these shows. But there's always like one guess where I'm like, oh, well, if I don't go this time, you know, there's a chance he'll never come back to town and everything like that. So 
Um, this this year I went and I met uh, John Kassir, who is the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Okay. Very nice. Um, I asked him some questions just about if he ad-libbed his dialogue or if it was all scripted and everything like because I'm just a big pun hound so like I was like I gotta know and he said that basically it was scripted but then he would just kind of improvise and if they saw something that they liked then they would insert it into the script in later episodes so he was very nice and um, if you gave him 30 bucks, he would record your answering machine message or voicemail <laughs> message. I opted not to do that, but I thought it was a nice little takeaway. Um, I met Joey Lauren Adams uh, from Chasing Amy and Mallrats. And um, in two people in front of me, I swear it was like if IMDb pages had critics. And he was just like going through her filmography to her. And he's just like... He's just like, Shannon Doherty, what's she like? Have you talked to her about her recent health problems? <laughs> and then she was just, and then she was just like, oh, actually, me and Shannon don't really talk all that much. And he's just like, okay, okay. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon used to be a big fan. Now I'm not so much of a fan. They're kind of jerks, aren't they? And she's just like, oh, I don't know. They were always nice with me. And to make things even worse was the guy in front of me behind this, you know, IMDb dude was loudly saying, he's just like, can you believe this asshole? And I'm just like, keep it. I was standing there. I'm like, just keep me out of this. Like, I am an impartial third party. I am on neither of your sides. So that was a very interesting five minutes span of time. Um, and then the one that I was really excited about meeting was Coolio. That's um, the, the rapper, actor, chef. Um, who, he is a chef like it's in his billing it says he's a chef um, so I get to his table and his table is in the hall so like a lot of the people were in a showroom like a ballroom in, in the hotel it was at a Marriott and then a few people like himself and Joey Lauren Adams and like Dirk Benedict from the A-team it was a real hodgepodge of folks um, were in the hallway so like you're sort of like navigating through like crowds of people trying to get to the other areas of the, of the convention. And I'm walking past Coolio's table and it was like so weird. Cause he was loudly playing Coolio music on a boombox, And I made a joke to my friend who I was there with. I said, maybe we should set up like an F this movie table and just like loudly play our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he seemed, I didn't go meet him, but he seemed nice. He had a lot of like bedazzled jean hats on his table and like a lot of stuff that I just wasn't interested in purchasing. I didn't have like a Batman and Robin poster on me or anything for him to <laughs> sign, but, um, it was surreal. It's weird seeing like the guy who had the number one single of 1995 sitting at a table in Schomburg looking sad. <laughs> well, that, that always brings me to a point where I, 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 I'm just, <laughs> it's in the hallway. Um, this, this has always brought me to the question. This was this in the 1990s and, and you were going to remember this in the 1990s. Do you remember this was a time when they would release a single for a movie months before the movie would come out. And mm -hmm. I remember the song in question, Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. This I was in high school, and that was 
you could hear that in everyone's car when we would pull into the high school parking lot. Everybody had that on cassette. And I just want if you could take me through your memories of actually seeing the movie Dangerous Minds in the theater and your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, so Dangerous Minds came out in 95 when I was 13. Um, I could have seen it in theaters because the mall by me like was one of those theaters that just let anybody in to see anything, which was great. Um, but I didn't want to see it because I just didn't care at the time. I was I was in junior high. Maybe if I was in high school, I would have been like, this is a movie for our times, but it wasn't for my time. So um, I remember, though, the thing that this happened every like a couple of times, but the thing that made me want to see it really bad was my sister went to see it with her friends and she's older. And then I was just like, well, this is this like, I'm like, she can't know about something that I don't. So that happened with that and interview with the vampire and everything. So I ended up seeing Dangerous Minds when it was on home video. And I remember thinking that it was like a great drama, not just like I enjoyed it. Like I objectively thought that this was like one of the finest films of like <laughs> my young life. I'm like, did I'm like, who I'm like, how did they ever not think of this before? And little did I know that this is like a really well-worn genre <laughs> of like the teacher who comes in and straightens out the kids who don't want to learn and everything. Um, and I don't think I've ever watched it since. I think the last time I saw it was um, that Video Works rental from 1996. Right. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I actually remember seeing seeing it in the theater and just being, uh, let's see, 95, I would have been 17, I think. So I, I definitely remember seeing it in the theater with a, with a group of friends. And I think we all thought it was going to be a lot more hardcore than what the yeah. actual movie was, just based on the... Uh, the clips that were laced throughout the uh, Gangster's Paradise music video. And I just remember being uh, pretty utterly disappointed by the movie because we just thought it was going to be, this is a, this is a, this is going to be the toughest school. I'm, we're never, I mean, I had seen, you know, uh, uh, Lean on Me, the the principal, Stand and Deliver. You know, I'd, I'd seen all these movies. I said, this, this movie is going to mop the floor with them. And, um, not so much. No, I mean nothing's going to top the principal. I mean that's that's the that's the best. You know, no, the, but the, I mean, did the did the principal have a leather jacket and no karate though? <laughs> exactly. No he, no, he just rode to school on his motorcycle. I mean that was that was tough for the eighties. So that's pretty tough. So that's pretty tough. Excellent. So now I, now I want to rewatch Dangerous Mind. <laughs> Well, you never know what kind of what kind of you know where things will branch off when you're on this podcast. You know, you think you've got a trajectory in mind, and then you just kind of goes in a completely different direction. But I do have a question for you, um, and and forgive me for not knowing this. This was a horror convention that you were at. Can yeah. you can you tell me? It's escaping me, and I don't want to pull my phone out and check IMDb. But what which which horror movies is, was Coolio in? Um, he was there. I uh, so so with every convention like this they always like say what the person's bona fides are so it's like there it doesn't have to be horror and i'm gonna say this very clearly i'm saying h-o-r-r-o-r -R -R. sometimes it sounds like i'm saying the w word but right. i'm not so okay so i just want to make sure yeah. that, that, right. <laughs> that, that, our, that your listeners understand that um so with coolio it said that he was in dracula 3000 okay which i have not seen 
it did not bill that he was also in a sci-fi channel original movie called Pterodactyl, which I did see at one point. <laughs> and his death in Pterodactyl is fantastic because he gets picked up off the ground by the Pterodactyl and then dropped from maybe about 50 feet. And you would expect that if they're going to go for the gold with the death scene, that they might have gone like, oh, he flew 200 feet in the air. But they're like, nah, 50's good. <laughs> 50 seems right. Yeah, drop him. Okay. Awesome. So how was the turnout for this convention? Was this Is this one of the bigger ones in Chicago? I don't know. It's hard to tell because, like, the rooms that they're in are very cramped. But it's always, like, really congested. And then... Um, the one that Patrick, um, from F this movie and I go to each year more often together, um, is called flashback weekend. And that's in Rosemont, which is by the airport in Chicago. And, um, that one is more like my brand of horror fan. And I'm not saying that as a slight, it's just, there's different kinds of horror fans. There's like the people who like, Oh, I'm a fan of the genre, but I also like all these other types of movies. Or there's people um, who are like, I only watch horror. I'm in. I only listen to you know like Monster Magnet, Pantera, um, things like that. I only dress in leather and zippers and chains and piercings and like I dress like the crow and stuff. And this is more that show. So like I felt like I stuck out with like a sore thumb because I'm like there in like a black sweater with like a suede brown jacket on because <laughs> i just came from work <laughs> so i mean so there's nothing wrong with that but i definitely do feel like a big poser when i go to this show compared to the other show where i feel much more kind of you know in sync with everybody who else is t- attending gotcha gotcha okay fair enough fair enough okay so like i mentioned at the at the top of the episode uh well, I've done, a, 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 I think it's seven or eight of the movie theater rant episodes. And, uh, you know, if you go back to some of the older episodes that say, you know, a Star Wars trailer and a theater story, I think combined, I think I've had 10 or 12 separate incidents that I've talked about. And most recently on the Patreon page, I released a movie theater rant episode. Uh, I think it's entitled The Beginning. Movie theater rant episode, The Beginning. And... um For those people listening right now, for the next four days, that episode is going to be free to listen to on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash how is this movie. And if you want to listen to that, the the, sort of the genesis of the movie theater rants, that episode's going to be available for the next four days. So, Adam, I understand that I'm not the only person out there that's had some bad experiences at the movie theater. And I was wondering if you might make me feel a little bit better by telling me some of your stories so that at least I know I'm not alone. Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, so episode one, Santa, this was, um, so if you remember, uh, star Wars episode one, the phantom menace opened on like a Wednesday back in 1999. Um, I did not get the chance to see it until Friday. So by the time that I went to see it, like just about everybody had seen it already. And like people were seeing it for like the second and third time and everything like that. But I went right after a Friday during high school. So like I walked to the theater that was down the street from my high school and it wasn't, um, real crowded. There was maybe in like this 200 seat theater, there's maybe like 15 people. Cause it was like a four o'clock show. So I get there and I'm there with one of my friends and we sit down and we get there maybe like a half hour early because we didn't know how crowded it would be. So then about 15 minutes before the movie starts, 
this guy who I could only describe as Santa <laughs> walks in front of us and then sits down immediately in front of me. <laughs> so one of my pet peeves with movie going is people sit too close to me when they, there's no reason to. Yeah. So I, over the years, just have zero tolerance for that. and I'll get up and move. And most of the time, nobody even knows any difference. So it's like, okay, whatever. No harm, no foul. But in this case, so like I, I was like, ugh, and then I got up and then I went and I walked out to the aisle and I walked back maybe four rows. And then I went to the center of the row, about four rows back from where I was sitting. And I sit down with my friend and then I look up and the Santa guy is turned around and staring right at us, not blinking. <laughs> and then I just looked at him like, oh, my God, what? And he just goes. He stands up, and then he basically does, like, this curtsy, and he just goes, Sorry, your highness! <laughs> so that happened, and then, um, speaking of Santa, uh, this is very brief. When I uh, went to see the Santa Claus on opening weekend, I was 12 years old, and a woman sat on me, and I had to say, <laughs> I had to say, you're on a person. And then she apologized got moved. Okay, um, <laughs> just to touch on what you said there, I'm I'm often reminded of when, and I've mentioned this in in one of the episodes when when I saw Munich in 2005, and it had been out for for several weeks, and and the old couple came, and I was the only one in the theater, and they walked down my aisle and literally sat next to me, and the old man and I were elbow to elbow, and I just looked at him, and he looked at me, and they were so friendly. I'll never forget that, Adam. They were so friendly. Like, hi, how are you? Isn't this great? We're all at the movies. And I just said, uh, are we really doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I just got up and walked and went, went. And they just kind of looked at each other very puzzled. And I just got up and walked like four rows back. I just, I could, I, I was so at a loss because that had never happened. So Yeah, it's like the fact that they didn't like start pawing at you made you more nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. I don't know what your intentions are. <laughs> okay, so what do you have next? Okay, um, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with one of the hits. So it's like it's like a CD. It's like okay, we started out with like a good one, but I feel like track two and three they need to be the singles. So I'm gonna go for one of the singles. Um, okay, so are you ever are you familiar? And I'd be shocked if you were. There's a movie called Blood Scarab. Have you ever heard of a movie called Blood Scarab from like the mid 2000s? I, I will admit I have not. Okay. So there's a movie theater in Chicago. Um, it's a repertory theater, very popular. It's in movies sometimes. It's called the Music Box Theater. And if you've seen High Fidelity, there's a scene where he's uh, John Cusack's on a date with a movie critic and she's writing notes in a notepad that's yeah. from the that's in the movie box. If you've seen Southside with you, that's in the, the music box and everything when they see do the right thing, stuff like that. So um, it was a it's a very popular place. It's a place that I went to see a lot of midnight movies at when I was doing comedy in Chicago at the nearby Improv Olympic Comedy Theater. So um, one of my friends and I were do we're doing improv and then one time we were walking past the music box which was about five minutes away and we saw a poster and it said blood scarab and it was a woman dressed like a vampire and it was kind of like an old-fashioned looking poster it looked like it was going to be like a bubba hotep type of movie and it said world premiere friday saturday night at midnight so we were like well we have to be at the premiere this movie looks awesome 
let's go see it. So we get there on Saturday. We go on the Saturday, and we're there at like 11.30, and there's a red carpet rolled out outside of the theater, and there's people like taking pictures, and then the people walking in are, let's just say they're dressed differently than I'm used to. So like very like glittery, short dresses, things like that. So initially it was just like, well, what? Huh, this is kind of odd. Like, why are the people so dressed up for this like local movie? <laughs> so we get in the theater and we're sitting there and we're watching the movie and we quickly realize maybe within about the first two, three minutes that we're watching a porn. Oh, no. <laughs> And the people in the movie on screen fucking are sitting <laughs> all around us. <laughs> so we were like, so we were like, oh shit, what do we do? Do we like sit here and watch these people in this like thinly veiled porno film, like act and then have sex and then like walk out afterwards and like be like, wow, you really gave it to them. <laughs> Or like, like we didn't know what to do. So we decided like, all right, we can't be part. Like basically the, the main crux of it was, I'm just like, I can't be here with my buddy watching a porno in a theater. Like I just, I just can't do that. Like that's not something that I'm ready for in our friendship. So like I, I, because after that you need to start having like auto focus parties and who, who has time for that. So like, so I'm like, okay. So I got up and I start walking out and the one guy who kind of looks like kind of Grizzly Adams and he has like this long flowing be beautiful white hair and like a big bushy beard and stuff. He's just like staring at us as we walk up the aisle and he looked really sad and it was almost like, but my scene's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, we were just like, we made a joke for a while. We're like, if you've never heard of the movie, we're just not going to go. Okay. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do okay. You so next, next on the docket is, um, hook 1991's hook, a movie that I did not like for the longest time. But then in recent years, for whatever reason, it really works for me as an adult. I like it as an adult. But at the time, in 91, when I saw it, um, I didn't like it at all. Um, I was really excited for it. But um, I ended up seeing it at um, two weeks after it came out. It came out on December 11th, 91. It was the movie I saw on Christmas Day in the evening with my not just my immediate family, but my extended family, too. We had, like, the classic Chicago suburb family Christmas outing. It was like something out of a John Hughes movie. It was crazy. It was like we went to like, we hung out on Christmas morning. We went to like have pizza. At like it was like deep dish pizza and everything. And then we went to go see Hook at like this beautiful old theater called the Catlow in Barrington. So we get there. It's packed. It's Christmas night. Tons of families are there. We had to sit up close in the theater, like probably like in the first 10 rows or so. So I'm sitting there, and then I turn to my dad about 20 minutes into the movie, and I'm like, Dad, I don't feel good. And he's just like, what's the matter? And then before he finished saying what's the matter, I just basically like, and if you if you guys don't like gross-out humor, maybe skip a few minutes. <laughs> um, I just start, like, projectile vomiting in the theater. <laughs> and then, like, I'm 
doing that thing where I, I'm covering my mouth to try to prevent it, but instead it's just spraying like out <laughs> of my hand. <laughs> it, I just snorted. It's spraying like out of my hand. Like it's like going to the left and to the right. And then I'm just like, oh my God. And I didn't know what to do because it's just like not stopping. And I start, I get up and I just start running, I just start running up the aisle. And then I decided just to like, I'm like, it's better if you just, if you just let the hands go. <laughs> and then I decided to just, and I basically like stopped and started puking like in the aisle. And then people were like, oh, and then I got like embarrassed. And then I just started running and puking and running and puking. And then I finally get to the bathroom and I, um, I'm not proud of this, but I'm a very, very noisy uh, puker. So like I apparently was puking so loud in the bathroom that people could hear it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> so after that, I was mortified. I was nine years old. I was sitting in the lobby. People like from the theater were like giving me cups of water. I'm like crying and apologizing. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is Christmas. <laughs> I'm like crying and apologizing. I finally, like, go back into the theater basically, like, right at the end of the movie. We leave. We go home. My dad's like, are you okay? Like, are you fine? And he had gone out into the lobby with my mom to check on me, and, like, you know, and stuff. And he's just like, are you okay? And then I'm just, like, still throwing up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, outside the theater, like, by the car, everything like that. So I clearly had food poisoning or something from, like, the pizza that I ate. <laughs> And then there were like three or four times on the way home, which was like a 30 minute drive where I was just like, pull over. And then I like started throwing up. So for years and years and years, um, I can't, I, my family basically wouldn't allow me to watch hook. <laughs> I think I went into that evening weighing maybe like 80 pounds. And then I think like the next day I was 65 pounds. That was the story that I call Rufio. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Okay, what, what do you got? What do you got next? <laughs> next is um the Kill Bill Volume One seizure. Okay. So um I <laughs> I Kill Bill Volume One opened in October during my senior year of college and I was so excited about it because it was the first movie Quentin Tarantino had directed uh in six years. So this is right after, you know, it's a big gap between Jackie Brown and Kill Bill. And I never, my fandom never wavered during that time. So I was out of my mind excited. So um, opening night, I'm there, I'm watching it, loving it. It gets to the scene, um, you know, the scene like where she says like wiggle her, your big toe. It's right after she gets out of the coma. Yeah. yeah. So she's in there. And then the guy like sitting one row ahead of me just starts like fidgeting a lot. And I'm just like, man, can't this guy stop fidgeting? And then he starts fidgeting more, and then he's having like a seizure. Oh no! And then I, and then I was just like, holy shit! And then they stopped the movie, and like, it's just it was like really really scary. They stopped the movie. He's having a seizure. The ambulance comes. I think he's okay because like he stopped having his seizure and he seemed okay when they were taking him away and everything. So it's like kind of weird. It's causing like this pall over the crowd and everything. And like it was just odd. And like nobody kind of felt like watching the movie after that, except for me. <laughs> so, so I was like, 
when I get to like movie jerk mode, sometimes I can be like a real big movie jerk. <laughs> so like, it, and when I say that, I mean more like if one of my friends says, "Hey, I can't go until Saturday. Do you think you could wait?" I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> I'm like, "That's your journey, not mine." So I'm like, "Cause you're, cause you got to go to Menards on Friday night. I have to suffer. Fuck you." So it's more stuff like that. So, <laughs> so um, I had a movie jerk moment where. He so the guy leaves and everything like that, and then I turned to my friend and I said he couldn't have done that shit in Mystic River or something. <laughs> and then pulling out, kind of gave me a look. <laughs> a dirty look. <laughs> I was mad. Like I was, I waited six years for this, and it's like now I have to wait six years and forty five minutes. <laughs> so, Come on. Uh, okay. I hope the gentleman who's listen who had the seizure, if he's listening to this, is okay, and I apologize. It couldn't have happened during Mystic River. <laughs> and I like Mystic River, but I would have understood more if it was Mystic River. Uh-huh. Like, I would have had a readmit ticket for Mystic River, no problem. But this is Kill Bill on opening night after six years. Come on. Well, to, to speak to the, the movie jerk thing, which I, I think I could be labeled that from time to time. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm reminded of uh, 2015 when The Force Awakens came out, and this is this is before my local multiplex had uh, reserved seating where you could buy your tickets ahead of time. This is before you know I discovered the joy of of buying two tickets so that no one would sit next to me, and and mm-hmm. this all happened because of what what happened in in 2015. Uh, I, I, for listeners out there, know the twosies, the two seats off to the side. That's where I always sit. And I got there at nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, I got there at, I, geez, it was a nine o'clock screening. So I got there about eight o'clock, grabbed my twosies. And, and, uh, if I remember correctly, the theater filled up immensely quickly because it was Friday. Those are the first, first, I mean, they did midnight showings, but it was the first day. And I mean, there wasn't a seat in the house except for the very front row. And just, Adam, just as the you know the final trailer played, and the and the Lucasfilm logo came on the screen, and you know we've been waiting for years for this. I mean, years. This is this is, you know, we're gonna write the ship after the prequels, and and the Lucasfilm logo comes up, and then the Star Wars logo comes up, and no sooner does that happen, and then some lady just walks up to me, and she's pointing at the empty seat next to me. Which I'm on the outside. For those who don't know, I sit on the outside of the twosie. So, like, it's my left foot is against the stairs. And so, because I think if I sat on the inside, I would make that seat too inviting. So, I always sit on the outside. And But she came up and she just said, is, is that seat taken? And I'm trying to see the crawl. I'm trying to see what, you know, I've got 30 years of catching up to do between Return of the Jedi and this. And she's standing in my way and I'm just going, no, 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 no. No, I, no, no, I'm waiting for my girlfriend. I'm sorry, you can't sit here. And she goes, well, there's no empty seats. I said, there's some right up there in the front. And she, uh, bless her heart, she, she went right to the very front row. And I watched her extend her neck all the way back like she was trying to look at the ceiling. I'll never forget. Like, I totally had forgotten that encounter happened. I'm fully engrossed in the movie. And when the movie's over, the, the, the credits are playing and people are getting up. And I'm just sitting there just absorbing what I had just seen. And I just kind of look down from the screen there's the lady just staring at me with that empty seat next to me and i just yeah. and i was just like yeah so that's it was after that day that i decided to buy two tickets and that's been my mo for almost uh four years now 
I'm mad at her for making you feel that way. Yes. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, you know, so, but, um, and that, that what's sad about me, and this is pretty pathetic, is uh, I know all the, the theater, there's, there's a 16 screen multiplex, a Regal Cinema multiplex, and I already know, you know, it's, it's auditoriums 2, 8, 9, and 15 that have the twosies. And mm-hmm. so when I pick out a movie, it, it has to be in one of those four auditoriums or I'm just not going to see it. The news coming down the pipe right now is that they have broken ground here in Ocala on a brand new AMC multiplex, which is going to be about five minutes from this Regal Cinema, which I'm sorry, but going to this Regal Cinema, going to my local movie movie theater, they have not done anything to update it since it was built in 1997. It's like flying economy. I mean, compared to some of these other movie theaters. So, yeah. all eyes are on this new, brand new AMC theater that's getting ready to be built. Well, I hope I hope you like it. Um, to be honest, I think that 1997 theater sounds like something right up my alley because I miss those, like, time machine theaters. I love them. <laughs> oh, you you know what? The sound is terrible in most of these theaters. I mean, it's, it's just a – and then to add insult to injury, about three months ago, I'm, I'm at the local gas station. I'm getting gas. I'm on my way to work. And the uh, the local newspaper, the Ocala Star Banner, is you know it's right there. You know you can buy a paper. And I look down, and the big banner across the headline is is Health Department shuts down movie theater. And I went, huh? And I look, and the article was about the Regal Cinema. They they had come in and closed the concession stand, and they shut it down. I've worked in the restaurant industry um, for a good portion of my life, and when the health the health inspector comes by, you know that that's a very serious thing, and and, you know, you, you take it very serious and they may cite you for minor infractions. Like if a cooler door has been left open, they may, you know, cite you for this or cite you for that. But it takes a lot for them to say, nope, shut it down. You know, like, cause you know, normally if there's, if there's little infractions going on, they'll say, okay, well, you need to correct this and you need to correct that. But in this case, they, they put the yellow tape like a, like a, like a murder had happened. They just taped off the entire concession stand. And I have not ordered concessions from that place since then. And I'm just... That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought that was really interesting. So, so I tell people, like, my movie theater sucks. And it really does. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's I, like, re- I, love the, I love the stories I hear. I feel like I know the management <laughs> from your telling of them. They, they know me. <laughs> yeah. The, the, time, the time I'm standing in line to go see the King's Speech... And, uh, you know, it's like every day there's something. I go up there and they've got this big sign that's handwritten in Sharpie, theater closed due to water main break, you know, will re- <clears throat> will reopen sometime later today. Please see, please see the box office attendant for a readmission ticket. And I'm standing in line to get my readmission ticket to go see the King's speech because it was all the rage. It's what everybody was talking about. And the lady in front of me just says, uh... Yeah, well, I need two because my husband's in the car, and the lady's like, "Okay," and I go up and and I'm like, "Hi, uh, I'm from the uh, the the local community college here is called uh, CF, the the College of or CC, uh, the College of Central Florida," and I just said, "Hi, I'm I'm with the College of Central Florida. I'm here to pick up uh, supposed to buy ten tickets for the King's speech for the the film class." <laughs> And she goes, what? I said, well, they're all, they're all on their way. You know, this is, this is part of a project. You know, it's part of a, I just started throwing words out like, you know, it's for our thesis. You know, this is really important. I've got all their money. I need the 10 tickets. 
And she just went, whatever. And she just, and this was like a big giant roll and she just peeled off 10 readmission tickets. And these tickets are good for, they're not like pass restricted. They're like the big, like you get in no matter what. And so I just said, you know, I funded, you know, the next 10 movies. And so I was there like four more times in the next five days. And I'm just using the same readmission tickets. And management is just looking at me like they know. They had to have yeah. known. It was a good you time. Took, you took advantage of the higher educational system. <laughs> you know, I do that too. There's, um, at University of Illinois, I found out that every holiday season, if you call up a certain number, um, then one of the students is on hand and they will sing you a Christmas carol of your choice. And it's intended for other students. But it's like they're stressed out by finals and it's like, oh, it's a nice thing out here. Like, you know, the little drummer boy or something like that. But my coworkers and I found out about this and we're just like, oh, we got to call them. So, like, we'll be at lunch and then we'll call and we'll have like a 17 year old, 18 year old girl like sing a Christmas carol to us. And they'll be like, oh, so what's your name? And we're like, Adam DeBecky. They're like, where are you calling from? And we're like, the union. <laughs> So next, I'll do a concession one. Okay. As a, as a segue. Um, so this was during opening weekend of Batman Forever. It was at my local mall theater that I went to all the time growing up. And um, we're watching Batman Forever. It's a big deal. It's a Batman movie in the 90s. Everybody's watching it. Everybody's digging it. Then in the middle of like the, I don't know, maybe like 45 minutes in. It was like right at the beginning of the second act. Two women just start loudly arguing with each other. And we're just like looking around. We're like, what the hell is going on? And then one woman takes what has to be like an entirely full large soda and just like slams it on this woman's head. It's not even <laughs> throws. It's just like she takes it and just crushes this cup on her head. And she drops it. Like she's Michael Corleone after he shot Salazzo and he's walking out of the <laughs> and he's walking out of the restaurant. And then she like darts up the aisle and the center aisle. It's like this theater where it's just like rows of seats on the left, rows of seats on the right and a center aisle. She just like walks up Pacino style, like out of the theater and just bails and books it. So the woman who is soaking wet just stands up. And, like, a few people around her are, like, offering her napkins that aren't going to do anything. And, like, this, like, being supportive. They're like, are, are you okay? Oh, my God, are you fine? And then instead of being like, oh, my God, I'm fine or being embarrassed and then, like, walking out or anything like that, she decides to just stand up. And we're like, what is she going to do? Because she just, like, looks around and she looks, like, almost like Carrie White. And we're like, like, after the pig's blood falls on her, we're like, what is she going to do? And then she lets out this guttural primal scream like it's from like that pink floyd song where she's like <laughs> and then after the movie was over um everyone leaves and then the police are outside of the theater waiting for what they expect to see is like the woman who throws the soda is supposed to stay there i don't know <laughs> but like she but no that woman like made like a batman escape <laughs> so so that reminds me of uh, I saw Batman Forever. I was in New York City on a uh, a week long vacation with my mom. She was taking me to uh, to go see a bunch of Broadway plays, and it was a great. Like we were wrong, it was a great week. You know, saw the classics: Phantom of the Opera, Les Misérables, 
cats, all, you know, all of those. But we had one night where we, we saw a matinee and we had a night off. That day didn't start off too well because New York, as everyone knows, is very expensive. And I was 16 or 17 at the time, 17 at the time. And my job, you know, bagging groceries didn't afford me a bunch of money for a bunch of spending money. So after like the third day, I had pretty much depleted my funds. And so I was now living off the good graces of my mother to, to, uh, you know, fund the rest of the vacation. And she would, she gave me like 20 bucks that day and said, you know, you make this last. And we went to have lunch at Planet Hollywood in New York, which I don't even know if it's still open anymore. But that was the, I just remember this particular day because it was after the play. We went to Planet Hollywood to eat and I went into the bathroom. It was the very first time there was ever a bathroom attendant. And I remember, you know, going, using the bathroom and, you know, this guy turns the sinks on and, you know, hands me the towel and all this stuff. And he had a tip jar. And I, I guess from the way I remember it, like he, there was a bunch of 20s in there. And I guess he, I don't know if he put those there by design. So I was like, oh, okay. So I guess it cost $20 to, you know, at the Planet Hollywood. And so I just took the 20 that my mom gave me. I put it in the tip jar and he wasn't like overly like, oh my God. Hey, thanks, man. He was just like, thank you, sir. And I went out and I'm talking to my mom and, and I said, I said, God, it's expensive to use the bathroom here. And she says, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, I had to tip the bar bathroom attendant $20. She's like, what? And so she, so she gets up from her table, gets up from the table and runs to the men's room and doesn't even knock, just pushes it open. And she goes, did that, did my son give you a $20 tip for giving you a towel, for you giving him a towel? And, and she's just, he's like, she's like, she's like, I want $18 back. <laughs> That's awesome. And the guy, I guess they negotiated because he eventually gave her $10 back. And she came back and handed me a $10 bill. And she says, uh, next time, you know, $2, which I don't know what the going rate for tipping bathroom attendants were, but she was very adamant that $20 was too much. She felt like I had been extorted. Later on that night, we go to see Batman Forever in a movie theater that was in Times Square. Now, this is 95, okay? Times Square is still, if I remember correctly, traffic was still passing through Times Square. And it was just beginning to have sort of the resurgence, you know, what now, now Times Square is like Disneyland, Disney World, you know, it's like, it's like Disney Springs or something, but it was still a little shady in 95. And I know this because the movie theater itself was, it wasn't like this big giant stadium seat. It wasn't like the new style of movie theaters that were coming out in the nineties. This was still a, I mean, this was a classic movie theater. You know, I think it had three auditoriums. I had my own sort of soup Nazi experience going through the concession line and it scared me. It still scared me to this day where I'm standing in line and there's this big giant man behind there and he doesn't even look like he wants to be there. He has got his hat sort of off to the side. His shirt is half untucked, you know, with his undershirt hanging out and he's just turning around and I don't think he would had washed his hands at all during that day. Like he just looked like he sort of had the the popcorn butter grease all over his head. It was just a, it wasn't a good scene. And as I'm walking up and I'm noticing that he, as each person comes up, he's not going, hi, how are you? Welcome to such and such cinemas. He walked, each person would be like, he's like, what do you want? And and everybody was just like, uh, he's like, come on, what do you want? And I was just like, oh, uh, and so when it was finally my turn, 
I come up there and he probably six foot four. And I'm looking up at him and he goes, what do you want? And I was like, I just want a popcorn. He's like, do you want butter on it? And I'm like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. He's like, he's like, do you want butter on it? And I'm like, I, I, ah, ah. And he goes, he goes, no butter. And then just <laughs> he puts it in and just, <laughs> and it wasn't like, it wasn't like that will be, you know, $8. He's like, now you give me $8. And I was like, okay, okay. And I just remember handed the $10 to him. And I, I was so scared that I just turned around and didn't even collect the $2 change. <laughs> so I remember that experience. And the, the, to, to put it all, uh, put a cherry on top, when we got into the theater, I think this was the first week the movie had come out. So we're sitting, you know, it's my mom on my right. And there's some guy on the left, left of me. And he's got a box of like noodles he got from a Chinese restaurant. And he's eating with, eating them with chopsticks. And he's eating them up up high. He's like holding the box up high. So his elbow is right in front of my face. It's like covering my left eye as he's eating them. That's how close we're sitting together. And I just remember that part. And I looked over at him and I was like, excuse me. And he just looked at me and he just with noodles sort of hanging out of his mouth. And he's just like, oh, sorry. And he kind of brought his elbow down. But that was my, my experience seeing Batman Forever in uh, Times Square, New York City. Yeah. Yeah, my mine was mine was weirder, but I probably would have preferred it to yours. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> now you give me eight dollars. I was like, oh, here you go, take it. Well, wait, maybe maybe Warner Brothers like sent people out as part of opening weekend. They're just like, let's make it a little bit more scary because Schumacher didn't make it intense like Tim Burton did. <laughs> I just uh, and then actually seeing the movie. Because I've I, I famously talked on the podcast about seeing Batman 89 and, you know, just loving it. I'm 11 years old. It was the greatest thing. And I now appreciate Batman Returns a lot mm-hmm. more than I did when I saw it in the theater. I actually I, – I appreciate it because I think it was the movie that Tim Burton wanted to make. You know, yeah, I think it's you – It's his Halloween too. Yeah, exactly. Good, good, yeah. good, good analogy there. Um but I remember watching Batman Forever, even at 17, going, what the fuck is this? I remember the opening scene. I'm like, what in the fuck am I watching? Because it was such a drastic shift from Burton that it, yeah. it was I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah, I, I've always liked it. But I think a lot of it has to do with nostalgia and just like I saw it at exactly the right age. So, um, But I, I completely understand what people are having the same reaction that you are to Batman Forever. I I didn't even I've never actually seen Batman and Robin in its entirety. It's certainly not one I saw in the theater. I'd be curious what your thoughts were leading up to that the release of that movie. Oh, leading up to it? Yeah. Um I was excited because um for whatever reason whenever a Batman movie came out the Warner Brothers store at the mall made it seem like it was bigger than a presidential election. And they may, they would play the trailer all the time. And this was at a time when, like, you know, the Internet wasn't ubiquitous. So you wouldn't have, like, easy access to these trailers all the time. So I would basically tell my mom, I'd be like, hey, when you go look at, like, this store, can I go look at the Warner Brothers store? And she'd be like, yeah, sure. And it would just be so I could watch the Batman and Robin or Batman Forever trailer, like, four times. And um, so I was really hyped for it. And I was, like, such an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan going into it and and everything. And I, that's when I thought Chris O'Donnell was, like, legitimately cool. I'm like, he's a cool guy. Um, 
And <laughs> I remember seeing Batman and Robin and I didn't have the same reaction that everybody else did where they thought it was just like such camp garbage. I just thought it was boring when oh, I saw it. Okay. Um, and then in the years since, I could easily watch it. It's like a very watchable bad movie, but it's certainly a bad movie. It's something that I think is more um, watchable than like uh, Batman v Superman, for instance, or Justice League. I'd rather watch Batman Robin than one of those two. That's interesting. That's really interesting because that now I'm, I'm immediately going. What? Well, which would I, which would I rather watch? Yeah, I think it would be Batman and Robin. Like I remember. When I don't, I, I can't even explain to you why I saw Justice League in the theater. I don't know what I was thinking because it was. Just, I think it was just one of those weird situations where I was like, "Well, I just want to see something and turn my brain off for a little while." And that was the worst idea to go see that because I'm just sitting there going the whole time, going, "Why? What is going on?" Long story short, movie's over. A round of applause breaks out in my movie theater. Like, like, oh, wow. like they had just seen Dr. Shivago or something. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, what are we doing? And then somebody yells out, best DC film ever. And I'm just, I was like, what? what? I couldn't take it. So I stood up. I'm like, how quickly we forget the Dark Knight. And the, and people are like, oh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Dark Knight. That's right. And the guy's just like, yeah, I suppose that's right. You know? <laughs> so, I suppose that's right. I suppose that's right. You know, I, su- I suppose. <laughs> You're entitled to your own opinion, sir, I suppose. I suppose that's right. So weird. Yeah, I remember when I saw Batman v Superman, that was um, my company, like, re- like one of the brands that we do business with, like, rented out a theater, and they're just like, oh, you could see it two nights early, like, come and, like, you know, we'll, you get, like, a coupon for, like, a popcorn at the concession stand, and you get to see the movie for free a couple nights early. Invite your friends, invite your family, stuff like that. So I remember going to see it two nights uh, before it came out and after, and while it was going on, luckily I was seeing it with some people from work who like were equally movie fans, but also like just were not having any of this movie like I was. And after it's over, I remember walking out and the, the vice president of my department is there with his two boys and they're probably like in junior high. And he just goes, Adam, wasn't that terrific? And I was just like, it was amazing. <laughs> Because the last thing I want to do, because I made this mistake once in my career when um, somebody found out that I was like the movie guy. So um, somebody said, did you see Now You See Me? And I'm like, yeah, biggest piece of shit in my life. (laughs) And then they like looked at me like I said that their daughter's recital was like (laughs) atrocious. I mean, it's just I'm like, oh, okay. if you're at work, just air to the affirmative. (laughs) We. We have a guy I work with. Uh, I won't say his name because he might he might he might be listening. But this is not calling him out because I I say this to him all the time. But he's in that age group where he's like in his early twenties and he's he's hooked on the the comic book craze. And every weekend during the summer movie season, he would go, he would he would see the big movie. And on Monday at work, I'd be like, "So, did you see Black Panther?" He's like, "Yeah." I said, "How was it?" He's like, "Man, it was the, it was the greatest movie ever." It was the best. And then, you know, like another week would go by and it would be, uh, you know, uh, it would be something else. There'd be whatever, whatever tentpole film was coming out. And I'd say, so did you see such and such? It was the greatest movie ever. You saw Ant-Man. Greatest movie ever. Avengers. The best. It won't get better than that. Every week it was like, and then it was like, 
I was like, what'd you see this weekend? And he's like, well, I saw Heredity. I'm like, oh, oh, what'd you think? He goes, yeah, it wasn't that great. And I'm just, <laughs> just like, I was, yeah. like, I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, yeah, I, d- I didn't get it. And, and then the next week, it's like, I saw Ant-Man, greatest movie ever. I, I, when I hear that, I'm just like, God bless those people. <laughs> like, I wish that I still had that, but I don't. I just don't. Like, like Black Panther, I think is perfectly fine. It's good. I enjoyed it when I watched it. Um, I tried watching it on Netflix like a week ago and I got about three minutes in and I'm like, how much more time is left? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, two hours and 11 minutes. I feel like I've been watching this for an hour. <laughs> when I hear people, they're just like, Chad Mc- Bo- Chadwick Boseman, what a discovery. And I'm just like, he was in draft day. Yes. Discover him. He was Vontae Mack. Who cares about T'Challa? He's Vontae Mack. Yeah, and no matter they're what. Just, they're like, it's Killmonger. I'm like, you mean Adonis Creed. His <laughs> name is Adonis Creed. Let's get serious, people. Or they're just like, oh my god, Ryan Coogler made the best blockbuster ever. I'm like, you're talking about Creed, right? <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I went to see Up on opening day and it's always a weird situation with me like seeing like a pixar movie because i always like to see the pixar movies but i'm a single man and i don't want to like go when there's a bunch of kids (laughs) especially if i'm like going solo i just think it's a bad look so (laughs) i ended up seeing up at like 9 30 at night on opening night i'm just like okay i'm safe i think i'm good it's like when i saw paddington 2 at like 11 o'clock at night i'm like i'm good (laughs) So I have to ask you, hold on, I have to ask you, how many people are in the theater for Paddington 2 at 11 o'clock at night? It was like me and like a 20-something couple. Okay. <laughs> so we were good. Um, so, <laughs> and it's delightful. It's an amazing movie. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I'm watching Up, and it's crowded still for whatever reason, and this kid is like probably like five years old. He like is sitting in front of me. And he turns around and he just starts staring at me while I'm watching the movie. And then I just look down and I'm like, oh, hello. And then he just looks at me and then he smiles and then he yells out, I have fire in my booty. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm like looking around. I'm just like, why am I the person who we have to tell us to? (laughs) I'm like, oh. This kid was shitting the entire time that he was looking at me. That's why he was smiling. Okay. (laughs) So the next one, um, do you remember a movie called Fair Game? Not the Cindy Crawford, William Baldwin one, but the one with Naomi Watts and Sean Penn. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why. I think this was at a time when I, like, felt compelled to see everything, especially around the end of the year, where I'm just like, I gotta be in the know. I gotta know if it's good or if it's bad. So, um, this was, like, the first Doug Lyman movie that he did that wasn't basically like a popcorn movie. It was like, this was his shot at, like, being serious. So, he did this movie called Fair Game. So, I go on, like, a Saturday night, and it's kind of crowded, and I sit down, and during the pre-show, um, there's a couple that's talking, maybe, like, two or three rows in front of me. And then this woman um, who's sitting behind them, she looks like a real, like, kind of, I don't know, just a strange lady. 
just like one of those like people who go to indie theaters and like they don't even enjoy it but like they feel like they've got this checklist and stuff like that like one of those people like the people who like walk around with like a fucking new york times like in their coat like stuff like that they're like reading it and like like not even talking to anyone and all this stuff like that so it's like one of those people they're always like five foot three so she leans over to this couple keep in mind this is like 20 minutes before even the trailers start she leans over to this couple and she just goes are you gonna be talking during the whole fucking movie (laughs) so this couple because they're normal turn around and look stunned and then this guy maybe a row behind crazy lady leans over to her and he puts his hand on her shoulder and says, Hey, why don't you calm down? And then like, without even hesitating, this woman just turns to him and just goes, you shut up. (laughs) And then she ended up getting kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, next is, um, do you want to hear, let's see. Okay. I went to see From Dust Till Dawn opening weekend. This was at the same theater where I saw Batman Forever, the same mall theater. And it was crowded. It was, you know, it was like a Saturday matinee. And I was there, I was 13, maybe 14. And I was there with like a group of friends. And we're all like, we basically had like a whole row to ourselves. And in the row in front of us, the only way I could describe them is basically we had the Lost Boys in front of us. It's like we were like, we were like Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, and Jameson Newlander, and they were like Kiefer Sutherland, Billy Worth, Alex Winter, and everything like that. So one, so I basically had like the Kiefer in front of me. So during From Dust Till Dawn, everything's going fine. I'm laughing at the jokes because Tarantino is a god to the 13-year-old because he's swearing all the time. He's just funny and everything like that. And then um, around the time, like shortly after the guys turned, the, the, the people in the bar turned into vampires, Kiefer turns around to me and for, I swear to God, maybe like 15 minutes straight, he just goes, stop looking at me. Stop looking at me. Stop looking at me. Stop looking at me. But he's saying after stop looking at me, he's saying like the slur that starts with an F, the six letter slur. Okay. He just keeps saying that over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm basically like looking to my friends like, hey, can I get some help here? And then they're like, and then he's like, don't look at them. Stop looking at me. Don't look at them. Stop looking at me. And I'm just like terrified. (laughs) So like, I I didn't know what to do. So I just stood, I sat there for like the last 30 minutes of the movie, just crying. <laughs> and that was how I saw From Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think I've ever. No, I don't think I've ever seen that. I've never. Okay. You see, listeners, it's not just me. <laughs> it's not just me. This is what happens when you interact with the public. <laughs> <laughs> You meet people like this. <laughs> um, so the next one is um, I was going to see a double feature of Halloween 4 and 5. This was like one of those Fathom Events things where it's like one night in theaters, the double feature, and you could pay like 15 bucks and go see it. So um, I went to 
a theater called the River East in Chicago. It's like this, it's like the biggest downtown AMC. So I go there. It's really expensive to park there. The tickets are expensive. The food's expensive. Everything's expensive there. So like I go there with a friend of mine and it's in October and we're like, oh yeah, let's watch Halloween four and five. And at that point, I don't even know if I had seen Halloween four and five. So we watched Halloween four. I love Halloween four. It was great. It was a great experience. Um, when you get two friends together though, to watch like a rep movie during the week and hardly anybody's in the theater, sometimes friends talk to each other during the movie. So like, I tend not to do this, but my friend that I was there with, he's a big talker. So a lot of times when he talks, I'll like shush him or like, I'll give him like a hand signal, like kind of like, okay, you know, I don't want to be mean. You're my friend, but like, shut up. Just like kind of stop. So like, I kind of have to like wave him off a little bit. So um, for whatever reason, I wasn't doing that during this time. So it was during Halloween five. It was maybe like halfway through. And then all of a sudden, out of like my peripheral view, out of the right hand side, I noticed this woman like walking towards me, basically like almost running towards me. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening? And then low, like the next thing I know, she sticks a lighter in my face. (laughs) And it's like almost not even like a cigarette. It's not even like a cigarette lighter. It's like a candle lighter. Like one of those ones that like you push the button and like the tall flame comes out. (laughs) And then she just goes, you have been talking for the past 45 minutes. See that man over there. And she points to like her husband or boyfriend or the man that she was there with. She goes, if you say another goddamn word, <laughs> he's going to come up here. He's going to use this. And then I turned to John and I'm like, why did you have to talk? She's going to burn us to death. <laughs> and then he's just like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, we'll definitely leave. <laughs> so I still had, I, I, I didn't see Halloween five for a very long time. And it's okay. Weird. I was afraid that I was going to be set on fire, like Michael Myers at the end of Halloween 2. Have you ever fainted in a theater? No. (laughs) I have twice. (laughs) So, and there's a common thread, and I want to see if you pick up on it. So, um, the first time I fainted in a theater, I was at this indie theater in Chicago, and I was watching this movie called Three Extremes, which is a South Korean horror anthology. And... Um, Asian cinema in like the early 2000s was going through this Asian extreme period. Yeah. So like they go further than like American horror movies did. So we're getting the grudge. They're eating babies, stuff like that. So um, I was watching this skit or this skit, this um, segment, and it was called Dumplings, which they actually ended up making into like a full feature film. Um, but I'm watching like the short version of dumplings and in dumplings, it's basically, I'll, I'll just kind of cut to the chase. It's basically they're eating, they're, they're making aborted babies into dumplings and then <laughs> eating them. And then like, it makes the people younger. Okay. So I, I didn't know it was going to go this far, but it's like the sound effects are, are like just as bad as you can imagine. And then there's, like, scenes with, like, just, like, the real just horrible shit. So, like, at the end of the segment, the woman is, like, in her bathtub, and she's doing something to herself, and then it causes her to start bleeding from the mouth. And then, like, 
she gets so some blood kind of trickles out the side of her mouth and then all of a sudden like this like almost like lizard tongue comes out of her mouth and like licks up the blood that's on her cheek at that point i was like this is disgusting i don't want to watch this this goes past my threshold of horror so i start to like get up only i can't get up my legs have stopped working (laughs) i felt like when your foot falls asleep but over my whole body okay And all of a sudden, I'm like tingling from my feet to my legs, to my chest, to my arms, to my shoulders. And then all of a sudden, I just start seeing black. It's like full black. It's like a fade to black. And I passed out. And I'm there by myself. (laughs) And I passed out for, I, I didn't know until I saw part of the movie on video, but I probably passed out for about 25 minutes. Oh, man. And then I finally came to, uh, so that happened once. And then the other time I passed out in a theater was um, at the end of Revolutionary Road with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's because she did like a DIY abortion. So filmmakers, if you make a movie where somebody is bleeding from their bottom area, I will pass out. Okay. I've never actually come to think of it. I, I've never actually passed the, the closest I came to passing out was I I went to um, this the week week two of the NFL. I went to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguar New England Patriots game, and this game kickoff was four twenty local time, and the temperature outside was about a hundred degrees, and I have never like I went with some friends. You know, I'm a big New England Patriots fan, and it's only a two-hour ride from where I live. So, you know, this was like a big deal for us to go to this game. And I this was the first time I ever went to a sporting event where I didn't drink because it was so hot. And we were inside Everbank Stadium at 68,000 people, and it was like being in a sweat lodge. Like it was – I've never experienced that type of heat before. And I, I to my to, – to the player's credit, I have no idea how they played that game. Um, maybe it explains why New England got their ass kicked in that one. But that being said, at halftime, I, I got up from my seat and I was, I was actually going to go get a beer. I hadn't had anything to drink and I was going down the escalator and almost close to your description there. I'm holding onto the, the railing of the escalator and this wave just came over me and I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm out. I'm going out. Now I didn't pass out, <laughs> but, yeah. but I think that was like just pure heat exhaustion and the, and going inside in the air conditioner hitting me and it was just the ex- going from one extreme to the other. I just, I mean, it almost laid me out. And I ended up having six bottles of water during the second half of that game. And it, it, and the scary thing was I didn't have to go to the bathroom. Like just to give you an idea how hot it was. I mean, it was just oh, wow. brutal. Yeah, it's always a, a an interesting feeling to, to pass out. So I, I highly recommend it if you have sure, it. Sure, sure. So I yeah. have I have one more story that I want uh, I have one more quick little story that I I've, I've never told on the show before and it's it's you know it's not going to be near on the level of some of the other stories I've told or some of the stories you've told but I'm reminded of something that happened so this happened in 2005 so this is 13 years ago I am I got off work from the restaurant I was I, the restaurant I was working at, it was uh, just a lunch shift. And I got off from lunch. 
I normally would work double, so I'd normally work straight through, but for whatever reason, I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday, they weren't planning on being that busy that night, so they gave they asked me if I wanted the night off, which was kind of a rare thing, so I jumped on the opportunity. 13 years ago, I would have been 27, so the only thing that I was interested in doing was going to have a few drinks with some of my coworkers that were also not working. So we just we hit a local bar in the downtown area, and we went to a different place, a place that we don't normally go to. It was a pool hall. And but it also had a pretty big size bar and I'm in there and I'm having some drinks and playing some pool and there's this bartender and 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 Adam, I'm going to tell you, she's just 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 beautiful. I mean, and and just, you know, she had this long flowing brunette hair, beautiful blue eyes. I mean, she was and this wasn't like a place where they are scantily dressed like she was dressed very normally, you know, like like a buttoned a buttoned up blouse and, and things like that. And so it wasn't like we were at a Hooters or something like that. I mean, she was absolutely just beautiful and so nice and so like just engaging and affable and charismatic. And I'll admit, I was absolutely smitten. I was like, I'm going to ask this girl out. Like, I want to get to know her because she would come over and when she was talking to you, it was that eye contact where she'd slightly tilt her head to the left or the right, would smile at everything you say, laugh at every joke you're telling. And I, my friends, by this point, we'd been there for a couple hours. My friends left and I, I stayed. I stayed because I wanted to keep talking to her and we're having some drinks. And, and she tells me that her shift is ending at seven o'clock. Cause it, like I said, it was, we were there during the day. And she said, you know, do you want to settle up the tab or do you want to, you want, you want to keep the tab going with the new bartender or not? You know, I've been in the, industry long enough to know that, you know, if you're there when it's the middle of a shift change, you settle up the tab with the person who's been serving you, leave them a tip and, you know, start a new tab. So I said, no, no, I'll, I'll definitely settle up with you. And I had had a few drinks. I think my tab was like 20 bucks and I put 40 down and told her to keep the change. And she was just like, oh, wow, thank you so much. And I said, oh, I'm in the industry. And, and I said, uh, I said, what are you doing tonight? And she said, uh, well, I don't know yet. What, what are you doing? And I said, well, I, do you want to hang out? And she goes, well, what do you have in mind? And I said, I don't know. Do you, do you want to go see a movie? And she said, yeah, let's go see Bewitched. And I went, Bewitched? Mm-hmm. And that was the one with Nicole Kidman and Will Ferrell. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> let's go see Bewitched. You know, because at 2005, I mean, that, that's what I was at sort of at the height of my pretentious phase of cinema watching. Dana, Dana, where's this going? <laughs> so, so you have to, but you have to understand. So, like, I'm, you know, 2005. We're talking Capote, Munich, Brokeback Mountain. I mean, these are these are these were think pieces. And I was again, I've I've much more mellowed out. And I was like, bewitched, huh? Okay. And she says, uh, I, and by the way, not a movie in a million years that I would ever have gone to go see in 2005. So. She says, well, I obviously, I have to go home and change. And I said, sure, sure. She goes, why don't we, we looked up the, the, the show time. It was like nine o'clock. She said, why don't we just meet at the theater at nine o'clock? I said, sure. Okay. That sounds great. And I'm going to stop drinking. I want to sober up by this point. So I, I go home and at the time I had a roommate. I said, oh, I just met the most amazing woman. I, I, I said, we're going to a movie tonight. Oh, maybe we'll go out afterwards. I, I, this is, this couldn't be better. So I change and I get dressed up and get in my car and I drive to the movie theater and I'm the first one there and I'm waiting outside and it's, it's gotta be the summertime because I remember it was, it wasn't very cold out. And 
I see this car pull in and out she walks. And then I see the passenger door open up and a guy gets out and I go, huh, what's going on here? And they start walking towards me and she smiles. She waves. Hi, Dana. And the guy just kind of, just kind of looking at me and, and I'm just like, I'm like, what, what the fuck is going on here? And she comes yeah. up and she just shakes my hand. Hi, Dana. She goes, this is my boyfriend, Tim. And I went, what? And, and he just kind of br- br- like begrudgingly puts his hand out and, and shakes my hand. She's like, I'm really excited to see this movie. Come on, let's go. And I'm like, the fuck is going on? And so I go and like we go stand in line and it's like we're standing in line at the box office and she goes up there and she buys two tickets for her and Tim. And I go up, I'm like, uh, one for Bewitched, please, 9 p.m. And we go inside and we walk into the theater and I'm like, okay, what the fuck is going on? And we walk up this, you know, a stadium seating and we get in there and she goes in first into the, uh, into the row. Then Tim goes in and then I go in. <laughs> and so we just walk to the middle and she sits down, Tim sits down, and then I'm sitting next to Tim watching Bewitched. And I just sat there and the whole time I'm like, what is going on? And she's like, <laughs> keeps leaning over and talking to me. And she's like, this is going to be a good movie, Dane. I'm really glad you asked me to come see this with you. And Tim just looks at me like out of the corner of his eyes. I don't, like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm just like, I'm trying to give him that look like I had no idea. Is this yeah. cheating? I'm like, what? I'm like, what is going on? So needless to say, the movie starts and it's awful. And I'm not even talking like with, with back of my pretentious movie going days of 2005. I mean, it's not a good movie. And I'm just mm-hmm. sitting there and they're like holding hands, you know, interlocked thing fingers, you know, and she's kind of, you know, there's like little sentimental things happening on the screen. She's leaning her shoulder or her, her head into Tim's shoulder. And every once in a while, he just kind of look at me, just turn his head to the right and just shift his eyes and look at me. Like I was starting to get the message. So about 35 minutes into the movie, I just kind of lean in. I said, I'll be right back. I'm going to the restroom. And Tim looks at me. He nods. And I nod too, like, yep, I'm going to go. And so I just get up and I just left the theater. So I don't know what kind of lesson I learned that particular night. I've had a similar thing happen, so, not movie related, but I get it. So <laughs> the whole time I'm just like, what the fuck is going on here? And uh, yeah, so um, didn't really go back to that pool hall ever again. <laughs> Because I didn't, A, I didn't want to run into Tim because he was about twice my size. And mm-hmm. uh, I I really didn't know how I was going to explain why I left. Um, but there's, you know what, 13 years later, I am kind of looking for a little bit of closure on this particular episode, this particular chapter, because uh, I, I really have to know why she even agreed to go to the movie with me. But that's, I don't know. Maybe I'll never know. Yeah, I don't think you're ever going to know. That's just one for the for the ether. <laughs> so, you said you have a similar story. Yeah, I mean it's not as heartbreaking as <laughs> yours, but I um, I was interested in a in a girl in my early twenties, and she said that um, like she's like yeah, come with me, and like I'll introduce you to my friend Kim, 
And I was just like, oh, okay, because I found out that the girl I was interested in uh, had a boyfriend already. So I was just like, oh, all right, that's fine. I feel weird, like, basically, like, it, being interested in you, and then you're just like, well, here's this consolation prize. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, it was better than nothing. So I was like, okay. So I went to this club with her, and um, then <laughs> she's just like, Adam, uh, she's like, hey, yeah, Kim will be here pretty soon. I'm just like, oh, okay. And then it's like, so it's me, this woman, and her boyfriend. And her boyfriend's like like Tim, where he just is not happy that I'm there. <laughs> and then I, and then Kim just like never shows up. And I'm just like, this is real weird. I don't like this at all. But then like, there's this guy who just kept like hanging out around us. And I was like talking to him. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, this is so weird. Like, I barely know these people, and I'm supposed to be, like, meeting someone and stuff. And he's just like, oh, yeah, that's, he's like, I'm meeting somebody tonight, too. And I said, what's, I said, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm Adam. What's your name? And he said, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> and Kim was a Korean man. <laughs> She's like, it's not even like a dating thing. I just thought you'd like my friend Kim. <laughs> like, she didn't think that I was like into men or anything, or and she didn't think that Kim was gonna be into me. It was just like, oh, I just have this friend who needs a buddy, <laughs> and you're nice. So Dana, I thought it would be fun since you and I both have tons of awful experiences going to the movies. Um, I wrote out a dozen common bad theater going traits signifiers trends and we're going to have a tournament of bad okay so we're gonna go um round by round ncaa tournament style to find out for you what is your biggest gripe when it comes to movie theater inconveniences so um the round one okay we've got this is a combo this is either feed on the seat or barefoot people versus seat kickers. And if you have any funny stories or anything like that or anecdotes, feel free to hmm. share. Well, I don't have anything and nothing, nothing jumps to mind, but I would have to say that's tough because feet on the seat. I'm, I'm assuming you mean like someone behind me puts their feet up like on their seat. That's, yes. a, that's very brazen. That takes a lot of guts. You know, the seat, the seat kicker, you can turn around and you can tell them to stop. But I think somebody who puts their feet, especially like bare feet, and they're very, mm -hmm. very close to like your neck area and stuff like that, I don't think there's any any fixing that. Like that's a damage – that they're damaged goods. So – I would agree with that. So I think – okay. And so that was versus – okay, feet on the seat, bare feet versus the seat kicker, correct? Yeah, so, so barefoot slash feet on the seat. We'll move on to round two. Yes, I'm going. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to. That's that's definitely feet on the seat. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, our next matchup is 
talkers, just general talkers, versus group of teenagers? Well, this reminds me of when I went to go see the movie, what was it, The the, the Split, the the M. Night Shyamalan film with James Mm -hmm. McAvoy. I went to see that on a Monday matinee, like, well, it wasn't even a matinee, it was about a five o'clock showing. And the theater was empty and then a group of teenagers and just that right age group, you know, the age group, they didn't drive themselves there. They were dropped off. So they're right at that 14, 15 year old age group. And it's, it's three girls or my, the, the ratio was, it was probably three girls, two guys. Okay. And one of the mm-hmm. kids was the cool kid in the group. He was the one that they all looked up to. And he was the one that was like, we're going to sit up here. And we're going to sit there and you're going to sit here. And he was the one making all the, the you know, he was the, the funny one-liners while the previews were going on. And I'm sitting, you know, I'm like fucking, like fucking Clint Eastwood in, in Gran Torino. I'm just sitting like <laughs> on the other side of the theater, a few rows uh, ahead of them. And I'm just looking back and I got a baseball cap on. I'm just turning around and I'm looking up and I'm just going, you fucking kids. And, and, <laughs> and But the movie hasn't even started and I know it's going to be trouble. And the, and so the movie starts and they're, of course, they're, they're doing their teenage thing. And it's just, you know, they're laughing and they're, you know, I think at one point, I think one of the kids got up and started popping and locking in the aisle like he was dancing. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And I, I, I remember I got up and I got out and there was some teenage usher out there sweeping. And I'm like, you need to go get, do something. There's, there's these kids up there. They're being disruptive. And, and he's looking at me and he was probably no older than them. And I'm like, you're not going to do anything, are you? He just kind of looked at me and I said, you guys. And I just turned around and I left the theater. So, yeah. I'm going to have to go groups of teenagers. That's going to have to be okay. my – Yeah. You know what the weird thing is? Like, when we see that, we get annoyed by it now. But it's just like, if you take a beat, it's like, wow, we were exactly like that once. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. I remember when I was a senior in high school, during lunch, like, my friends and I, we would just like – it was like – five guys and like six girls and we would just hang out and we would basically like dance to bloodhound gang <laughs> who does that like the- people on the street like on a main street could see us dancing to bloodhound gang <laughs> like that's a level of confidence i'll never get back that's, i'm telling you that's exactly it listen i remember I remember in 90, it was like 93 or 94, my, my buddy and I, we, we went to the mall so he could, uh, he could get some kind of split amplifier thing for his truck and he wanted, I'm sorry, he wanted to fucking, you know, he wanted to make the, the sub sound even better or I don't even, it was a crossover, I don't even know what it was called, I don't know anything about stereo technology, but I remember, I remember we were in, we got in his truck and he, he put this device in the mall parking lot and we got in the car and he's like yeah i'm ready to test this out and he, we put on free your mind by in vogue and he was <laughs> blasting it <laughs> and i remember like we were right by the entrance and he's jamming and he's just bobbing his head up and down and i'm sitting in the truck and i'm going and it's, I mean, I mean, it was obnoxiously loud and like people are coming out and just picture that song playing and there's these two like 16 year old kids in a, in a Nissan pickup truck. It's okay. So I remember that. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I necessarily want that confidence back again. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, probably not. So, 
All right. Next round. <laughs> this kind of goes a little bit along with the teenage guy that you were talking about who was commenting a lot. Movie trailer critics. So, like, people oh. who see a movie trailer and then, like, you know, have the review immediately. Yeah. Um, I had one of those yesterday when I saw – or, yeah, yesterday. I saw Widows, and beforehand there was a trailer for this movie – with Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart, and it looks like very generic and feel good. And um, after the trailer is over, it gets like quiet. It's like that little like two seconds mm-hmm. before the next one starts, and it's just dead quiet. And this person behind me just goes, "Brian Cranston is amazing." <laughs> yes. Okay. 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 Go on. What's versus? <laughs> I know. I know. Just. <laughs> So movie trailer critics versus kids in R-rated movies. Oh, that is tough. That is really, really tough because that one really bothers me. Kids in R-rated films. Um, see, you know, I gotta give I gotta give the slight edge to to kids in R-rated films just because, and I can't stand the people that comment on every trailer. That looks so good. Well, it's been designed to look good. That's why I always want to turn around and tell you, well, that's 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 their job to make it look appealing. That's what a movie trailer is. Um, but I mean, just my experience of seeing Halloween Resurrection when this family, you know, brought their kids, multiple kids, and the kids were just screaming. They were just terrified. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with kids in R-rated movies for sure. Like, oh, and, and it goes back to like like when I saw Logan in 2017. You know, it, the, the the parents were bringing the kids in the five and six year olds because you know they thought it was you know part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they didn't even bother to check the rating on the film. And the best part of that was some of the reactions <laughs> from the parents who were dragging their kids out. Their kids were screaming because they didn't want to come out of the theater. And the parents, <laughs> parents had realized what they had done. <laughs> what have we done? Yeah I, yeah, I feel like if you're a parent and your your kid is like into it, you got no choice. You have to stay. Now, I don't know if this is a category on here or not, but the people that don't do their due diligence when it comes to R-rated films, is that on there? That is not. Okay, no, so, so give like the example like so the example of like when I saw Ted in the theater mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. when I saw three billboards. Like these, these are two two examples of multiple people walking out of the theater. Now with Ted, I saw that 2012 open on a Friday first showing, like 11 a.m. And there's a lot of retirees where I live. It's a big everybody's retired in Florida. You're either working or you're. I mean the the, the median population here, I think, um, medium age for the population, I think, is 65 years old. But anyway, long story short. They all go to matinees at my movie theater because um, they get their senior discounts and it's matinee pricing. So it's, you know, it's a double bonus. The theater was just packed with a bunch of, uh, you know, elderly people who thought they were going to see a movie about a boy and his magical teddy bear. And, you know, you, you only have to watch that movie for five minutes and you realize what's going on. And so, you know, half the theater got out and people were all these old people were freaking out. Um, same hold held true for when I saw three billboards in three billboards last year. Like I saw the red band trailer for that movie. That's what appealed to me. I was like, Oh, this looks like an, Oh, it's a Martin McDonough film and it, and this red band trailer. I'm a hundred percent on board. I'm going to go see this. Same thing happened. Half the theater emptied out within the first 10 minutes of that movie because they didn't do their due diligence about what they were going to see. 
No? Yeah, no, I mean, like, I get that all the time. Like, I'll go to the movies with friends of mine, and they'll turn to me, like, because they're in line in front of me, and they're like, what's the name of the thing that we're seeing? And I'm, like, partly flattered, because I'm like, oh, it was just about spending time with me. It wasn't even about the movie. But I remember, my, one of my buddies, like, he's great. He's, like, been one of my friends for, like, ten years. I knew him from the comedy scene. Um, he... He, he, we went out to breakfast like a few weeks ago and he just was getting like movie titles wrong left and right. And I didn't correct him because I was enjoying just hearing the wrong movie titles. So he's just like, we should go see nineties kids. And I'm like, I'm like, do you mean mid? And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, he means mid nineties. I think he's just like, yeah, we'll go see nineties kids. Or he's like, let's go see Fright Fest. And I'm like, okay, he's talking about Hellfest. But like, I just never corrected him because I was enjoying myself too much. <laughs> Okay, our next round. Okay. <laughs> Kids in R-rated movies moves to the second round. Correct. Um, our next round, our next matchup, rather, is garbage in theaters uh, versus late arrivers. So this is either people who, um, like, show up in the middle of trailers or show up even after trailers are over. And it doesn't have to be like they're crawling over you. It's just that they're, like, in there looking for their seats and they're doing their business while... The movie's already started. Well, I'm I'm just going to tack on to that a little bit. Though, yeah, there's the the late arrivers. Um, I have there's a there's a older older couple that I know, and they I, I ran into them at a restaurant about this is when Chappaquiddick was still in theaters. There was a movie theater located across the street from the restaurant where we were where we had met up at, and I was talking to them, and I said, "So what do you what do you have what are you guys going to be doing tonight?" I'm like, oh, we're gonna go see Chappaquiddick, and I went, oh yeah, no, that that that's uh, you know should be an interesting story. I said, I really haven't heard much about it. I think it was the first day that it came out, and I said, uh, what time does the movie start? And they said, well, it starts at seven. And I went, well, you know, it's seven fifteen right now, <laughs> and and they're like, oh yeah, well the you know the 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 trailers are still be playing. And I went, no, they won't, not for Chappaquiddick. <laughs> said, well, no, it's fine. Well, we're just going to finish our drink and we're going to go over there. I'm like, well, what if you miss the beginning of the movie? She goes, oh, who cares? And I'm like, what? And, <laughs> and so finally, at 7.45, they walked across the street to go catch Chappaquiddick, at least the last 45 minutes of it. And and then I ran into him like a week later. I said, how was the movie? They're like, it wasn't that great. And I said, <laughs> yeah, okay. So- uh, this one is a really easy one answer for me, and that is people that uh, arrive late to theaters. Like I love – my favorite is like uh, like when I went to go see – why I went and saw Avengers Infinity War on opening weekend. But I went to go see it, bought two tickets, and you know, the movie – the trailers have been playing for 20 minutes. The movie's about to start. It's, it's a Sunday on opening weekend, and you see a group of like eight walk in, and they're, they're like – they're looking up at, uh, at just a sea of people and you get that, oh, man, like, where are we going to – oh, great. And then you see them like have to, they have to go like on expeditions, search, look over there, go over there, check up there, see if you can find four seats over there. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. And, and then you realize they all have to go sit individually because there's not two seats together anywhere because they showed up 20 minutes after the scheduled start time. So, yeah, 100% movies. People yeah. that come late. Okay. Yeah, I had something like that 
uh, with the people looking up, looking for seats at the Avengers. When I was um, in high school, I was on a date with my girlfriend at the time and we were going to see Magnolia. And this was like before it's wide release. So it was kind of special that it showed up in our theater. And I get there and like there were no seats together for just two of us. So then I found one seat and I just sat in it. And then she looked at me like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm just like, I'm like, you better find a seat. And then she's just like, are you serious? Like, this is really happening? Like, you're not going to just leave with me? And then I made the immortal mistake of saying this line, which no one should ever say to a person that they're dating. Tonight isn't about you and me. Tonight is about me seeing Magnolia. (laughs) And let me tell you, three and a half hours later, we were broken up. (laughs) What is... What a... I only arrived one time in my life to a movie that was late. And it was the, what was the Clive Owen movie that had Julia Roberts in it? Duplicity. Du- no, no, okay. No, no, okay. Not the Julia Roberts. Oh, that- closer, closer. Was it that? No, okay. Maybe it wasn't Julia Roberts. It was definitely Clive Owen. It's something to do with a bank or something. Um, the, the, inter- the International? The International. That's it. That's it. Okay. That's the only movie I've ever arrived to late in my life. And I was, I was, I had genuinely got my times wrong. And I thought, I thought for some reason, anyway, so I got in there and I found, and it was opening weekend for the international, but they had it in the smallest theater at this multiplex that only sat 126 people. And there was 125 seats taken. And I had to sit down at the only seat available, which was like, like third row up. And I'm in sandwiched in between two little old ladies and. I had missed the like the first five minutes of the movie. It was excruciatingly painful experience. I was uncomfortable the entire time, but definitely yeah. okay. So definitely people showing up late. Okay. Um, all right. Opening weekend fanboys <laughs> or people who have their phones out at any point during a movie, either checking time or oh. looking at the internet or texting or stuff like that. Wow, that's so tough. These are you did a good job putting these categories together. <laughs> um, opening weekend fanboys. Uh, yeah, like I, when I saw Infinity War, I was the only one in that seat, in the only one in that auditorium of three hundred that didn't have a Captain America shirt on. Um, let's see, but you know what? I was passionate you- about films, so I would have to go with the the phone. I think that would be more. That's good because. Fan, opening fanboys, you know, they're, they're still there to see their movie, whether they're dressing up as Harry Potter or or a Star Wars character or Captain America. They're, they're there because they want to see the movie. People that are just yeah. like using their phone and just, you know, on social media or something, they, they don't even be there. Like that, that makes sense. So I would definitely do that one. Okay. All right. And then um, the last one for the first round is people who sit too close. <laughs> Or sneakers, which is just people who like come in an hour and 15 minutes in your movie because they're either early for their movie or they just finished seeing another movie. (laughs) I have to go with the people who sit too close on that one. (laughs) Okay. I love watching. I used to love watching because I, uh, if my movie theater was good for one thing, they were good for catching sneakers. You know, they, especially like with the R rated films, they, the, the, the usher would do their, their, their check-in about seven or eight times during an R-rated film. And they would just, by that point, they'd have just the memory of who was sitting with there. 
And you'd always find the two little kids that were probably 10 or 11 years old sitting in the first row of the twosies. And you always see them get intercepted. It's like watching cops. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Fuck those kids. (laughs) Come on. The rite of passage. I I give them them props for trying because they keep the fight alive. My my friends and I desperately tried to sneak into uh, uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. One mm-hmm. night, and and uh, we we were unsuccessful. And then, like a couple days later, my buddy got into like the last fifteen minutes of the movie, which was all in three D, and he didn't have three D glasses. <laughs> He's just like, no. <laughs> I was like, "How was it?" He's like, "I don't know. I don't know what was going on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told when I went to the convention, I, I met John Cassier. I told him about how I couldn't get into Demon Night on opening night. And that I had to buy a ticket to see IQ with Walter Bathow and Tim <laughs> Robbins and Meg Ryan. And then I kept sneaking into Demon Night and they kept kicking me out. And I, I eventually just broke at one point. I said, don't make me go see the Meg Ryan movie. <laughs> um, okay, round two. Okay. We got barefoot feet on seats versus group of teenagers. Right, what good. advances? Uh, group of teenagers. Okay. All right. Next. We have kids in R-rated movies versus late arrivers. Ooh. I'm going to have to go with kids in R-rated movies on that one. Okay. All right. Phones out versus sits too close. Ooh. That's tough. You know, I'm going to go with sits too close just because even when it's a not a crowded movie at all, that happens. It's like, it's like yeah. they, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, like, if they just think we're all pack animals when they come in, but um, no, yeah, definitely sits too close. And this proves how good I am at building tournaments because I didn't factor in that it goes 12 to 6 to 3, so there is no matchup. It's just three things. <laughs> okay. Okay, so for the win, what annoys you the most? Kids in R-rated movies. People who sit too close or groups of teenagers. Oh, I can get past the R-rated movie one because a lot of movies I see are PG-13. So that doesn't happen all the time. So I'll take that one off the board. So it's down to people who sit too close and Mm -hmm. teenagers, right? Yes. I got to go with teenagers because the sits too close. You know, you've always got that option to, to, to move your seat, like you and I have talked about. Um, with the teenagers, there's no cure for that. You know, there's you, nothing you can do. There's nothing that can be done. You have to, you have, you have to leave. You know, there, it, it's, it's a virus. It's a, you know, at like it, it's airborne, like in the movie Outbreak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They 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 have no care for anybody but themselves. That's right. I can't believe I used to be one of them. Yeah, I can't either. But you know I what? can't believe I I can't believe the Bloodhound Gang thing actually <laughs> happened. But here we are. I can't believe I used to like in Vogue. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they didn't age well, did they? <laughs> but you know what? That was that's all MTV's fault because they programmed the music we all loved. And so they they did. They they told us what to love. We weren't mm. the kids today. They're able to make up their own mind. <laughs> so, um, but um, no, no, no. That's that's that was good. That was fun. So so yes. So we've settled on teenagers as the uh, 
But, you know, can I just say on, in closing on this on this, this uh, tournament you did here, I remember fondly going to the movies every Sunday when I was living in Tennessee when I was in high school. And I can remember going with the same group of friends. It was be my friend Travis, our, my friend Talbot, and my friend Tim. The four of us, Travis's mom would drive us to the Middlesbrough Square Mall. And we would go see a first-run film for $2. And that's that's what it cost at this particular theater. And I remember seeing everything from Wes Craven's New Nightmare to The Cowboy Way to the program. To every – like these are just memories of, of going to see movies back then. The air up there. And I can remember we weren't talkers. We, we all wanted to go see those movies. And I don't have – I. For the life of me, and I've really thought about this a lot, I can't remember one bad experience during that two-year run where we go to the movies every Sunday. So, I don't know if it was just the the geography of where we were at, sort of in a rural part of Tennessee and and sort of on the state uh, tri-state area with Kentucky and Virginia, but it was never an issue. That changed when I got to the big city, when I got to Knoxville, and of course, certainly when I got to Florida, but that's, you know, Florida. So. Yeah. I will say, though, like a lot of my examples of bad theater stories, they were from years ago. I haven't had too many recently. So I feel like whatever negative energy transference went directly to you. And it's kind <laughs> of amazing that we found each other and could share. It's like I didn't have to die for this demon to be reincarnated. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know it's one of those things where like i'm trying to i'm picking my brain what was the last movie i saw in the theater i mean recent like bad experience i mean there was the kids that lit the joint up during super troopers 2 that they, was awesome and they that thought great they, they thought it was me and i was just like i'm leaving and fuck this i'm coming back i'm coming back mm -hmm. in i didn't do anything wrong um but I, I, I have recently, you know, over the past couple of years, I've really tried my best to avoid going to, you know, big tentpole films the first weeks that they're open. I mean, I went and saw, I waited five weeks to go see A Quiet Place in the theater because everybody told me if anyone talks during that movie, it's going to ruin it for you because there's virtually no sound throughout the entire film. And I remember, tact very tactically speaking, planning when I was going to go see that movie. And I settled on a Sunday, 8 p.m. showing five weeks after the film has been released. And there's only 60,000 people in the town I live in. So, it can't be that. I mean, you know, just by the, the sheer mathematics of it should have meant I was going to have an empty theater. Not the case. It was a big group of teenagers that came in, sat right behind me. I made it 16 minutes into the movie. I was gone. <laughs> Have you finished it? No, I, because I, I mean, I was, I'll tell you what, I was so into that too. And for whatever reason, I just don't want to jump back into it. And I was so into it. Yeah. So the one time I saw it, I remember it being uncomfortably quiet, yeah. like the movie itself, where I, I basically wanted to leave just to go out in the hallway and just be like, and then like walk back in. <laughs> so excellent. So. All right. Well, listen, Adam, I want to take a moment and say thank you so much for, for being on the show. The conversation we've been recording for a little over two hours now, I know we're going to cut some of this out, but uh, 
I feel like we could talk for another two hours. So I always appreciate you coming on here. Now, listen, if people want to follow you on social media, they want to read some of the stuff that you're doing for F This Movie, where can they find all that? Uh, yeah, so I write um, every week and do podcasts every once in a while on fthismovie.net. Um, that's the letter F, thismovie.net. Um, a lot of great writers, a lot of great podcasters, including our host, uh, Patrick Bromley, who's on every week, um, who has been on this show. So check us out there. And then um, you can follow me on Twitter at Risky Adam. That's R-I-S-K-E Adam. Um, it is not Riskly Adam, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, that Twitter handle was taken. No, that's too bad. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Adam. And we'll definitely be talking again soon. And uh, my name is Dana Buckler. And thank you so much for listening. The How Is This Movie podcast is produced by Dana Buckler for Hidden Productions located in Ocala, Florida. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at How Is This Movie. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash How Is This Movie. Of course, you can always email the show with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, to become a monthly supporter of this podcast and gain instant access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else, go to patreon.com slash How Is This Movie. You'll find and all the links to our social media in this episode's show notes.